Will Smith attacking Chris Rock cuts deep. Those of us recovering from the trauma of infidelity recognize how anger masks fears and insecurities. I'm curious if others see what I see from the extended unedited version of the Oscars last night. Will initially laughs at the joke. Jada glares at him. He attacks Chris with delayed retaliation. His anger rises when he repeats himself. Keep my wife's name out of your ducking mouth is an odd choice of words. It belies a festering unresolved rage around sexual permission and public humiliation. It acknowledges that words have meaning, for both Chris and Jada, and for himself. Will tried to articulate his reaction moments later in his acceptance speech, but could not. He came off sounding narcissistic and detached, failing to thank his wife Jada, and to apologize to Chris for his misplaced temper. I recognize his anger. Like Will, I'm a betrayed man who's endured the humiliation by others for choosing to reconcile with my wife. The agony feels unbearable at times. I recognize the trauma of how he acted out, either not recognizing himself, or perhaps, terrified he just revealed the real broken person he is instead of the persona he rejects. To be clear, Will is not the victim here. His suffering does not excuse bad behavior. Neither is he beyond reproach to take control of his own healing, to temper his passions and to be honest with himself. And still, I recognize someone hurting badly, worthy of mercy. He needs help, not more humiliation. Redditor's reaction story 2 after. Redditor 1, Jada is a predator. We all need to remember that. Her son's best friend came to live with their family during a vulnerable time. He was a confused kid who went to Jada as a friend and a supporter and she used that power imbalance to have s time with a young man. It probably made her feel like she still got it or she's a milf or whatever. If a man did that with his daughter's best friend, we would call him a pig and a monster for abusing a vulnerable young woman. Jada has consistently and repeatedly embarrassed Will in front of the whole world anyone remember the Tupac poem? She is a predator. She is insecure and needs s time with young men to feel good about herself. She does not care about humiliating her husband in front of everyone. She does not care about anyone but herself. She is a narcissist. The people defending her should be ashamed of themselves. Redditor follow up, agreed, I barely know all the context but she has come off as a gross human in the interviews I've seen. Will. Chris can give grace, but by God Will has to pull his head out of his own ass. I'm afraid if this continues it'll escalate. There's nothing good in any of this. I hope whatever happens that Chris Rock won't someday see his grace as enabling. Redditor 2, Typical Misplaced Aggression His beef is with his wife who took advantage of the young man who wrote a top 10 song about their encounter. Redditor 3, I think everyone can learn from this experience. They both got together as a monogamous couple. Then she had a affair and betrayed him. A situation in which so many find themes will sadly. But how did he react to that? I think that he was afraid to lose her, so he gave his own identity up and agreed to open marriage, so that his wife no longer has to go behind his back to cheat on him. Because a open marriage that is born out of infidelity, is nothing more but a continuation of infidelity. What that leads to is something everyone saw when Will exploded. I could say poor guy now but that wouldn't be right because he made this decision for himself. He allowed others to put him into a position that he never wanted to be in or agreed to be in in the first place. Redditor follow up, because a open marriage that is born out of infidelity, is nothing more but a continuation of infidelity. 
huge gold standard this. Story 2, girl I was deeply in love with abused my feelings for her and wouldn't let me move on. A very long one apologies. So I was with a girl for about a year and a half. When we first met I fell for her heart. It got to the point where I would literally do anything for her. I met her while studying in my second year of university. After about a year I believed everything to be going great as we were in what I perceived going strong. She just got accepted into the same university as I had and was going to begin her first year. Rather than us get a shared house or flat together she decided to stay in first year accommodation as she wanted to get the full university experience. After about three days of her moving into this accomplishment she became increasingly distant. She wouldn't message me back, if I rang her she would only talk for like 5 minutes and then quickly hang up. These should have all been warning signs but because I was so stupidly head over heels for her I believed anything she would say. So then we come to Christmas of that same year, due to me working a university placement job I had to stay in the city I was studying in. To make my life a bit easier her family suggested that I spend and stay at their house for Christmas and New Year due to them living in the city I worked in. Great I thought I get to spend Christmas with the girl I love and her family who I adore. This. Is. Where. It. Goes. Wrong. Christmas Eve night I'm getting myself ready for work and I receive a message request on Facebook from a John Smith. It says that my girlfriend is cheating on me and has accompanying screenshots of proof. It was a screenshot of her profile on a website called fabswingers.com. The profile bio reads something along the lines of this 20-year-old uni student looking to get ducked by older men and or groups of men. And then at the bottom in big capital letters it said in a relationship so discreetian is a must. My heart broke the profile picture was her the way it was typed sounded like her and the worst thing of all was that there were reviews left of people that had slept with her. When this message came through she told me she was at a friend's house but now I couldn't believe her. I rang her immediately to confront her, I stupidly let her convince it was someone trying to pose as her and ruin her life. Later that night I was able to check her phone and there it was. Messages from a guy who had slept with her and couldn't wait until they met again. She was even planning for when I went home for a few days to have the guy over so they could sleep again. I confronted there and then and told her what I knew. She told me it was one time mistake and one guy and it would never happen again. And begged me not to tell anyone. Again like an idiot I believed her. And even worse I decided to stay with her. So I had to spend Christmas day in someone else's house with someone who had cheated on her. And then I receive another message from another guy, and then another and another. All claiming to be guys she slept with and were messaging me because she refused to sleep with them anymore. In total it turns out she had slept with 9 different guys in the space of 3 months. One which she had been sleeping with on a daily basis. And one she had slept with on the second day of moving into her student halls. I finally took me long enough snapped and went on her rage at her asking how? Why? Her reasons for cheating on me. Because she could because it felt nice to be wanted by someone else because she could away with it. And why she didn't tell me. Because she didn't want to lose me because she didn't want anyone else to have me because she knew I would get upset. I washed her hands of her by this point. It nearly kaled me I was so close to ending everything because of what she had done. I had grown so close and attached to her and she broke every bit of will that I had in my body. 
When I tried to move on she would message me asking if I was okay or would try and accuse of me moving on too quickly and not taking her feelings into consideration. I have not heard from her for a number of years and I would honestly not care if I did. I've not fully trusted someone since. And I don't think I will for a long time. If you read all this I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Redditor's reaction story 3 after. Redditor 1, if this story is true you dodged a bullet. She's a lowlife. A walking virus. I heard a lot of trashy stories but this one tops them all so far. Redditor 2, exposed to her family and friend. Redditor 3, or are you the one who don't want to move on? Op answer, at first I was. I didn't want to let go so I kept clinging on. But when I finally came to my senses and decided to try and move myself away, and try to see other people she would guilt trip me and play on the fact that she knew I had some emotions towards her still. Story 3, How I'm Surviving Infidelity. I'm reluctant to share my story here. First, I chose to reconcile with my wayward wife for a myriad of reasons. For many, I'll be dismissed as a fool. I've faced appalling personal attacks and ridicule on Reddit without any respect for my decision that is germane to my situation. On this point, I suspect these reactions are projection by deeply wounded people. And while I sympathize with our joint plight, I'll not let them rob me of my agency as my wife already has. Second, I am staunchly Gen X and a practicing Roman Catholic. I grudgingly accept the idea of redemptive suffering. For many, I'll be dismissed as a quack. My religion discerns annulment from sacramental matrimony, and where my case certainly qualifies, I still chose to stay. On this point, I suspect these reactions are rejection of moral hypocrisy by angry people. And while I sympathize with a similar justice streak nothing is worse than the evil Christian, I'll not ignore science or history or tradition or collective conscience. Neither will I indulge intellectual laziness or presume superiority on epistemological matters. I respect the impulse toward religiosity across time and region and culture as a universal human experience. Common people naturally orient themselves in a hierarchical order of being. As a stone is a stone and we are not a stone, God is God and we are not God. This understanding is written on every human heart. My intent isn't to stray into theological discourse. It's just, Everyone has something meaningful to offer the world be they a poet or musician or biologist or anthropologist. My revelation is grounded in a mystical experience, which I'm open to receiving. I hope to help those similarly disposed. So here goes. I discovered my wife's transgressions 17 years after she betrayed me. By that time, we'd been married 15 years with two children. Our lives were completely intertwined socially, financially, publicly and privately. My world crumbled. I couldn't discern up from down, right from wrong, thought from feeling. I seethed murderous rage. As I struggled to reconcile my perception of reality and actual truth, she did everything precisely wrong. She lied by omission and commission, destroyed evidence, rug swept, blame shifted, acted like a martyr, abandoned, ghosted, benched and love bombed. For years our marriage was a maelstrom of intense fighting and hyperbonding. I retreated from my family and friends, my career waned, my faith wavered as I wrestled with God. The grueling trauma aged me terribly. I grieved countless losses, not the least of which my cheerful disposition. I used to be a positive optimistic joyful person. The sparkle in my personality faded to a bitter gnarled temperament. 
Dostoevsky captured my wilted spirit best in the opening lines of Notes from Underground, I am a sick man. I am a spiteful man. I am an unattractive man. Everything came to a head during a particularly difficult session in marriage counseling. I had spent the week in a nearby hotel, sick of her beal shit, feeling trapped in a phony marriage, despairing, hopeless and miserable. In a flash I experienced the sudden onset of stark clarity. I had a vision of being stranded in torrential high seas on a rickety raft of harsh cedar posts lashed together by dead vines. Mountainous waves crashed all around me. Soaked and sunburnt, I had no provisions, just ragged clothing. I couldn't see land in any direction. Thunderclouds loomed in a supercell typhoon fast approaching. Sharks circled me like sea buzzards. With death imminent, I felt utterly helpless and could only cling to my raft. I had nothing, in that moment, I prayed. God, I'm a fool. I've looked everywhere and to everyone for solace except to you, the only one who can truly help me. I've presumed your will. You've rightfully withheld comfort from me as a loving father withholds affection from a petulant toddler. I've betrayed you as I've been betrayed. Forgive me. Please don't forget me when I die. God answered me in the cantankerous voice of Red Fox as Sanford to his son, what ya expect, ya big dummy? Then God laughed at me in my pitiful state. Uproariously, with tears, the kind of infectious laughter that is funny in its own right. I couldn't help but laugh too. Like, what the hell had I expected? A life without struggle? Perfection from imperfect people? Did I not know people will fail me? I will fail them? The seas calmed and the sharks left. I floated in the heat of the sun alone with God in silence. In that reprieve, I felt at peace for the first time in years. For a fleeting moment I didn't have a care in this world. We've been married nearly 21 years now, almost 7 of which we've spent reconciling. We still fight, though less frequently and less intensely. We've made amends with our kids, our life's greatest joy, who sanctify us in our vocation to be better people as parenthood demands. I expect we will always be reconciling in some way, like dancers stepping on toes inadvertently as they press boundaries and new routines. Negotiation is a constant and healthy marriage. How else can two independent people that are constantly changing truly bind themselves together publicly and permanently for their good and the good of society? Still, the loss of exclusivity hurts so profoundly because it can never be reclaimed. It hurts like death because it is a death. A broken promise lost forever. We cast ourselves into a dense fog, lost and calling out for one another. We spent years searching for that which cannot be found. What can be reclaimed is potential. We Christians turn to scripture and tradition. The core of the Bible is our story, God makes a promise. Man falls short, suffers, and seeks reconciliation. God forgives and establishes a new covenant. Washington rinse. Repeat, I survived by embracing the suck. Such is marriage in temporal life, and why the church expectant is so appealing. Our hope is not in this world, but of one beyond. It's enough to keep going. What motivates us to persist amid the insufferable state of being? Freud argued pleasure. Adler argued power. Frankel argued purpose. Perhaps they're all correct. I found serenity on my raft laughing with God. When danger lurked and the tumultuous storm raged, I found peace. When I had nothing, I found I had everything I ever needed. To wayward and betrayed alike, 
I wish you peace. Redditor's Reactions Redditor 1 According to the Bible cheating is one of the few reasons to divorce your wife. Redditor follow up, yup, in the situation of sexual infidelity, the Bible allows you to divorce your wife. Redditor 2, a very literate discourse on your internal life but not a word on what you and she actually did to turn her attitudes around and reconcile. Op answer, I'm quite active in this sub with specific advice and scores of comments. This is a more reflective post. The best answer I can offer is we separated from one another, looked inward and focused on making ourselves better. We put our oxygen masks on first. Once she realized I'd leave her, and with individual counseling and group therapy among other wayward women, she experienced metanoia. She changed completely in a penitent way. She stopped lying, being defensive, and playing the martyr. She unpacked childhood trauma and family baggage that held her back. She worked hard and I could see iterative progress that kept me engaged. For my part, I grieved a thousand tiny deaths, and some major deaths too. I got very good at recognizing stages of grief, both psychologically and physiologically. I trusted the process as our body's best means of healing deep wounds. And in sharing what I've learned, it's given my suffering a sense of meaning. That's why we commonly hear betrayed people say they would never wish their misfortune on their worst enemy but still recognize how their recovery made them stronger. Redditor 3, where would you say your marriage is emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally? I didn't hear a lot of how you're doing. It sounds more like religious constructs kept y'all together and y'all are existing but where does true love and happiness come into play in your story? How truly happy are you? Op answer, fair play and good questions. My post is intentionally reflective. I've shared specific advice in many comments in this sub and similar. My efforts in helping others is a big part of my answer to you. It helps to be helpful. I'd say my faith informs my conscience, but I freely chose to act. No doubt, some days, perhaps years, feel like merely existing. It's especially painful when my heart is restless. I believe my loyalty to her, our kids, extended family, our community and society at large is true love. It's what I have to offer. Love is not always congruent with happiness, though sometimes it is. While happiness is not my pursuit, our home is warm and playful and thoughtful and helpful. We are transparent with pretty thin walls. We laugh loudly and cry openly. We make messes and clean them up. We're pretty tight-knit, we love to visit with friends, travel to new places and make memories together. In these ways, yes, I'm truly happy.